Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. Today we read from the Matthew text, uh, 13 uh, selected verses there, continuing with this theme of Jesus teaching through parables. And so I invite you to hear these words of Scripture. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Someone took and sowed in his field, the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, put the good into baskets, but threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all this? They answered, yes. He said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like the master of a household who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures and let us say together, Amen. Will you join me in a spirit and attitude of prayer? Holy God, it is with gratitude in our hearts that we gather today. We come bearing the anxieties of the week past. We come facing worries for the week to come. And yet you have seen fit to call us together in this place in this hour. God, we can sense your holy presence among us as we sing and as we fellowship, as we pray to you, as we pray with one another, for one another, as we make our gifts and our offerings. God, now as we turn our attention to these ancient and sacred words, we give thanks as Paul proclaims that there is nothing that can separate us from your love, no height, no depth, Nothing in life, even in death. But you are always near to us and for us. We give thanks for the teaching of Jesus as he taught his disciples and those crowds so many centuries ago. He teaches us still today through these funny and strange stories. May you help us to understand. May our lives reflect this good news. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds. It gets thrown about and planted, and it grows into a shrub, a small tree, and there the birds make their nests and their home. Anyone who has kept up with their lawn at home or a flower bed at home knows the pain and the struggle of dealing with dandelions. They are some of our most nasty and annoying weeds. They're not too tall, but they're colorful, and they sprout up almost overnight. If you see one, you'll soon see two or three, three or four, ten or twelve, and they will take over in a hurry. And so it's important, as Sarah said to the children, to pick them early and often, not to let them take hold and ruin your flower bed. Sometimes we even resort to spraying them to kill them. Adults will go to great lengths to get rid of the dandelions. And yet, who among us as a child has not picked up a dandelion, particularly those, those fluffy blooms, and blown them at one another and watched them whirl around in the air? Who among us has not collected dandelion flowers and given them to a friend or a parent or a grandparent? 
I even remember when I was young picking up the dandelions and, and sort of uh, destroying them in some sense, but taking those yellow flowers and, and grinding them into our skin. Did you do this? And that dandelion would create a sort of temporary yellow tattoo on your arm or on your, on your hand. What's a weed to adults, of course, is beautiful and useful to children and a lot of fun. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. That is supposed to sound sort of inspirational because a mustard seed is small. In fact, someone uh, gave me a mustard seed one time taped to a postcard. It's tiny. You can barely see it. It's the smallest of all the seeds, Jesus says. And yet it grows into something big and beautiful and, and useful. The birds make their nests in it. At the same time, we should be reminded a little bit of the irony that's at work, especially for Jesus' original hearers. We can hear that story as something that's inspirational. Small things uh, lead to, to, to big accomplishments, right? Small beginnings can lead to, to big productions, big fruit. It's, it may start small, but it grows into something important. But in Jesus' day and age, the mustard seed, the mustard bush, was, was more like a dandelion. They were just wandering about. The seeds were just thrown about. They would sprout up anywhere. They were a weed. They were a bush. They were avoided and ignored. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like an unwanted and unrelenting weed that keeps showing up in the most unlikely and, and surprising places. Jesus continues, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed with flour until it has all been leavened. Now, I'll confess of all the images that Jesus offers us today, this is the one that, that resonates with me the least. I, I don't know much about baking. I really like to cook. I like to grill. I like to cook on the stovetop. But I've never done much baking, and I've certainly never made any bread. So I, I had to do a little research on this one. I know many of you in this room know more about bread and making than I do, and so you could preach this portion of the sermon better than I. But from what I understand... Uh, to make bread and to make bread regularly, you have to have some yeast, you have to have some starter that is often shared and kept over many years. In fact, I remember a few years ago during the, the lockdown portion of the pandemic, there was lots of social media buzz around making bread at home, right? When people couldn't go anywhere, they needed a new hobby, they needed something to do. So a lot of people began making bread, baking bread for the first time, trying to learn to make bread. In fact, you may have seen some of the articles at that time, uh, some of the manufacturers of the, the basic yeast, the basic ingredients you would buy at the store, began to see a surge like they had never expected. They said they were unable to keep it in stock for so many months there during the early portion of the pandemic. This led to all sorts of buzz online. Scientists were going online teaching people how leaven, how yeast actually works and how you can create your own at home. And so one biologist is quoted here, Ann Madden, North Carolina State University, who studies yeast and studies microbes in bread. She says, it's a wonderful thing that people are learning about. We have known for a long time that you can use the same starter, the same ingredients, the same recipe, but you can bake in different parts of the country or at different times of the year, and the bread comes out tasting very different. She said, it's evidence of the unseen work of these microbes in your bread. It's a miraculous thing to have this yeast, to have this leaven, to have this starter, to keep it alive, to feed it, and to share it with others. Now, while I'm no baker, I don't have a lot of familiarity with this particular image, you can appreciate the spiritual parallels that Jesus is making. Yeast is this unseen ingredient that makes the bread rise. 
Yeast can be kept alive for years and years by adding the right amount of flour and water. I understand some people even treat their starter as a pet. They give it names and they sort of take care of it and make sure it stays healthy. Not only can it be kept alive for years, but it can be separated and shared with others. Well, the images here are minty, right? The work of God in our lives is often unseen and understood. It's often, often fermenting just below the surface. The work of God in our lives can always be created or recreated or new. It never entirely runs out. The work of God in our lives can be celebrated and prized, but it can also be divided and shared among many people. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed with flour until it was leavened. Always fermenting, always growing just below the surface and causing the culture to rise. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when someone finds it, they hide it again, and then they sell all that they own so that they can buy the field with the treasure in it. One of my favorite comedians is Gary Goleman. You may be familiar with Goleman. He's done a few online specials, and he's written a couple of books. He's on TV, pretty regular. One of my favorite Gary Goleman bits is his bit about the found $20 bill. And he says in that bit that there is no joy like going to the closet and taking out an old coat and putting it on and reaching in and finding a $20 bill. He says, in fact, he can remember the week that he found a $20 bill that his plans changed, right? This was at a young stage in his life, and to have $20 made a big difference in his weekend plans. Of course, he delivers this in a great comedic way. I can't do as he does, but he says, I still went to eat Mexican that night, but this time I got the guacamole right? That $20 made all the difference. It's a wonderful line. And then he goes on and he says, the shame is for some people, like Bill Gates, some people will never know the joy of the found $20 bill. He says, if you do the math, if you take the average net worth of a person in America compared to Bill Gates' net worth, the found $20 bill in our pocket would be like a found $112 million to Bill Gates, right? And he says, what a shame. You know, we should all feel sorry for Bill Gates because he will never know the joy of that found $20 bill. I really like Goldman's bit, both it's funny and, and it's also a little bit theological because it resonates with, with what Jesus is saying here today. The joy of the found treasure. Not only the joy of the found treasure, but then the decisiveness to do something with it. Look at this miraculous gift that we've happened upon that we weren't expecting. And so not only are we going to eat Mexican, but we're going to get guacamole, right? Now, this story is a little bit more complicated because it leaves with some questions like the man who finds the treasure in the field, does he tell the landowner about the treasure? Do you think the landowner already knew what was in the field, but maybe the landowner owns so much property, he's so wealthy that the treasure in the field really didn't mean anything to him? Jesus' parables often leave us with more questions than answers. As Goldman says, Bill Gates would never know the joy of the found $20 bill. And so it is with the gospel that what many of us consider treasure, what many of us consider valuable, what many of us consider joyous, there are certainly others that don't necessarily find it so. Further, I think that, that idiom, right, one man's trash is another man's treasure, that's part of what Jesus is saying here, right? What's, what's valuable to one person may not be valuable to others, particularly those who, who count themselves as self-sufficient. If you have everything you need, if all of your needs are taken care of, if you're resourceful, if you're wealthy, then what's a little treasure in the field? 
The kingdom of heaven is like finding something you never expected to find and seeing its value. You give up your entire life. You sell everything your own just to have this, this one thing. And so Jesus challenges us, challenges our expectations about the world, about what's happening around us, about the sort of things that bring us joy, the sort of things that might surprise us, and the way we, we often think we can take care of ourselves. Jesus continues, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. You've heard me say before that Jill and I had an opportunity in college to go on a study abroad trip together. We went to China for a couple of weeks. You've heard uh, Sarah say that her family, Dennis, they lived in China for a year as uh, missionaries and teachers there. Uh, one thing that we did while we were in China, of course, is we visited sort of tourist attractions, including the outdoor shopping areas, right? Uh, this was a big part of the trip, particularly for Westerners, for American or Americans to buy knickknacks and things to take them back home. And so as we did so, we were trained on, here's what you can expect to find, uh, here's what you should expect to spend in the local currency, uh, here's how you barter with the shop owners, that's welcomed and expected. And so we did all that, that's kind of part of the fun of it. One thing that I didn't know was going to be so important uh, was the, the buying of pearls. Uh, there's a large pearl market in China. In fact, you can read online about the pearl market in China, how it's affected the world's pearl prices. Uh, but we were trained. Here's what you can expect when you go into the pearl markets. There's going to be more pearls than you can ever imagine. You need to look at them carefully. You need to try to find the ones that you like that are, that are round and that are in good shape. And, and here's what you should expect to pay. And even with that training, we were still overwhelmed. This is a picture from one of the tables in China. There were tables like this everywhere. More pearls than you could count, more pearls than you can imagine. When I say uh, trash bags filled with pearls under the tables, boxes filled with pearls stacked in all the corners, and there were countless little sellers like this. And suddenly when we were there, the, the pearls became far less valuable, far less important because they were everywhere. But if you look closely even at that picture, you can see that they're, they're, they're kind of oddly shaped. Some are kind of flat. Some are sort of oblong or shaped like a football or shaped like an egg. And so the goal was to look through them and to try to find the ones that were most perfect, most round, maybe enough for a necklace or a bracelet or just two for earrings. When I read this portion of Jesus' teaching, of course, my mind goes back to those pearl markets as we would haggle and talk and search and research. We would even sit on the floor and dig through trash bags trying to find those few perfect pearls and the best deal we could. I used to think about this merchant as the, as the fisherman, as the one out in the water looking for the pearls in the wild, but, but now I think about this merchant as the one there in the, in the seller's villages, digging through bags of pearls looking for that one perfect pearl. Jesus, again, is so wise in reflecting on our life and the way in which we are challenged with so many opportunities and distractions. Our lives are filled with pearls, filled with misshapen and oblong and odd-colored pearls, trash bags filled with pearls, pearls and boxes, so much to dig through in our lives, to sort through, searching for that one perfect pearl. And here Jesus reminds us, of course, that that one perfect pearl is, is the love of God and Jesus Christ. And, and all disciples are sort of on this lifelong journey, this lifelong search to draw near to the love of God and Jesus Christ. And if we could grasp that truth, then we would give up everything else to have Jesus' love, to have God's love made real to us. The kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. 
and it comes back full of fish. And those who are fishing sit and they separate out the good fish and the bad fish. And so it will be at the end of time. God will separate the righteous and the evil, and the evil will be sent away to a furnace of fire with the weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may have read somewhere or seen some, some essays written about the North Atlantic cod industry. Cod are, are some of the most easily caught and enjoyable fish to eat in the North Atlantic. Uh, they have been caught for hundreds of years and used for meals for over centuries and centuries. Uh, there has been a challenge in the last 30 or 40 years in terms of catching cod because their numbers have been so depleted due to overfishing. Now, there's some, there's some neat sort of mathematical, statistical analysis. They've done some computations, and they can go backwards, and they think for the last 500 years, fishermen were catching 100 to 200,000 tons of cod per year. 100 to 200,000 tons of cod per year. And then in the 60s, that number spiked to 800,000 tons of cod per year. And so what they learned is that the fishery was sustainable so long as the fishing stayed within that 100 to 200, even up to 300,000 tons per year. But once it reached 800,000 tons, the population decreased immediately. And they think today's population is somewhere around 2% of what it was some three or four or 500 years ago. Now, there are lots of stories about that, about fisheries, about the environment, about the way humans have impacted uh, animal populations, not just fish, but land animals as well, hunting, all sorts of things. You could think of other examples. I like that story, though, because I think it helps to illustrate our own foolishness when it comes to understanding our environment and what's good and bad. Those fishermen for years, including those who ate the fish, saw baskets and loads of fish coming in more and more and more. It's all good and great until it no longer was. And so I think there's some real humility to be learned there that even when something appears to be good, a lot of cod, a lot of fish, even when something appears to be good, it can still be doing harm. Right? We don't always know what's best until after the fact. We're not always as wise as we think. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a, a basket of mixed fish. And some are good and some are bad. And in the end, God will sort out the evil and the righteous. Now, I, I take great solace in that message from Jesus because essentially what he says is it's really not for us, for the disciples originally, but for us now as churchgoers, as Christians. It's not for us to decide what's good and bad. It's not for us to spend our lives sorting out the weeds from the wheat. This is God's business. Let God decide. Let God sort them out because the kingdom of heaven and the secular world as we know it, it will never be clearly defined. It will always be sort of mixed together. And, and we might wish that we could parse out one from the other, but, but as soon as we do so, we're likely to make a mistake. And so we're better off catching all the fish and letting God sort out the good from the bad. Now, after Jesus had said these things, he turned to his disciples and he said, Have you understood all this? And I can imagine a teacher, an elementary teacher, a high school teacher, a college professor going over a deep and complicated and abstract lesson and turning to the students and saying, Have you understood all this? And what do they say? Oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, no problem, right? We're good. The disciples respond with an enthusiastic, yes, yes. Now, we would admit, surely, that it takes a, a lot of creativity, 
a lot of uh, patience, a lot of practice to learn to see the kingdom of heaven as Jesus describes it. It's easier to think about the kingdom of heaven as this perfect and final place, right? The heaven that we read about at the end of Revelation 21 and 22, when all things have been made whole and, and clean and perfect and everything is returned to its original glory. It's easier to think in those terms, but, but Jesus upsets those expectations and says the kingdom of heaven is not just something far away and distant, not just a goal or a hope, but rather the kingdom of heaven is happening all around us in the most surprising and strange ways. Have you understood all this? Well, the disciples say yes, though we can acknowledge with them that probably this is more of a, a hopeful yes. This is a yes of striving. This isn't a yes that they're entirely clear on what Jesus means, nor are we entirely clear about what Jesus means even here today. But there's a hopefulness in that yes. Yes. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a mustard seed or a, a dandelion that just won't go away. The kingdom of heaven, it's like a little bit of a yeast, a little bit of a starter for some bread that we've held on to for many years, but we've also shared with others. The kingdom of heaven, it's like the found $20 bill. What a joy and surprise. Not only are we eating Mexican, but we're getting guacamole. The kingdom of heaven is like this net with all sorts of fish in it, and as much as we might try, we, we can't always tell from the good from the bad, and so we just have to let God sort it out. The kingdom of heaven is like a trash bag full of pearls, and you might spend your whole life looking for that one perfect pearl, and if you could have it, you would sell everything you own. Have you understood all this? In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks for your work around us and despite us. God, we confess that we have often searched long and hard for the kingdom of heaven, but have been unable to see. We pray, to God, we pray today, God, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that you would give us curiosity, that you would make our spirits creative and understanding and relating to your work around us. God, may your kingdom come. May it come within our families, in our lives. May it come within our churches, in our schools, in our community. May your kingdom come and may it continue to surprise us. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.